We thank you, Father, for the riches we enjoy in Jesus, that together as one body we can affirm that. We thank you for the life he gives us, living water, and we pray that that living water may, may flow forth from us and become a blessing to many others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. morning. Today's Bible reading is from Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 3. Romans is found in the Blue Pew Bibles on page 1132. Beginning in verse 1. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access, by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in this hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. This is the word of God. Let's come together in a time of prayer before we sit under God's word and let him speak to us. Pray with me. Loving Father, we have come recognising who you are. We have sang of the wonders of our God, how great you are. And Father, we have said that we come to worship. We bow before you. Father, we have met around the table and thought of the wonders of of what you have done in Jesus for us, that you've made us rich, you've made us your children, you've called us to be holy as you are holy. You've declared we are a royal priesthood to serve you and Father we thank you. Father we live in a needy world Father, in so many ways, each of us are poor because we seek first our ways and the things that we want. Father, we have a nature that wars against you, but still you love us and reach out to bring us into relationship and we praise you. Father, we are saddened by this world around us that is full of hate. There is war around us. There is injustice. There is evil. Father, in lands like Syria and Iraq, 
evil, Father, that's beyond our comprehension. And yet you love mankind and reach out and we thank you. And Father, we pray for this needy world of ours that you will indeed reach out with the gospel good news message that changes those that hate to those who love. And Father, remind us again that we are bearers of that good news. Cause us, Father, to be faithful in declaring your goodness. Father, we pray for our own land, a land in so many ways that has forgotten you, that wants to leave you out of their day-to-day lives. And we pray for our country that, Father, you might work in this land in the hearts of the people that live here. Again, use us as we show forth your gospel in the lives we live, in the words we declare. Make us a blessing, we pray. And so, Father, we pray particularly for the vision of the years ahead. Father, it might not be what we want, might not be our will, but we would seek you to lead and guide us to be the people you want us to be. So bless this church, we pray, in all that we do, that we might honour you, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rohan's going to come and bring the message from Romans to us. Thank you, Rohan. Good morning, everyone. And a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and uh, grandmothers, great-grandmothers out there. You really deserve to have a really good day today. Hope you will get thoroughly spoiled by your kids today, if you already haven't been, with breakfast in bed. So how many of you got breakfast in bed? Oh, lucky ones. (laughs) Used to be the Rajaratnam household tradition on Mother's Day and Father's Day to have breakfast in bed. Of course, on Father's Day, I just sat there and got fed. Mother's Day, I got fed too. (laughs) So that's the good part of uh, both days. So now that the kids have grown up, and one has left home, and three has become four, we appear to have graduated to the next stage. So it's going to be a three-course lunch today, I'm told. And guess who the hanger-on is who's going to benefit from that as well? (laughs) Well, I mean, mothers are special, aren't they? And mothering is a very, very difficult role. And... um, it's, it's really special to have mothers here and hope you do enjoy your day. So before we turn and look at God's word, I'm going to lead us in prayer. So I'll ask you to bow your heads and let's uh, look to God. Father, we pray that you would quieten our hearts, 
prepare our heart. Help us to receive your word. Father, as I stand before your people, I pray that you would speak through me. I ask this in our risen Savior's name. Amen. So today I'm going to speak to you on Romans chapter 5, 1 to 3, one of, the, one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible. And um, how many of you have seen this book or read it? Peace with God, Billy Graham. Yeah? I mean, I'm surprised that there weren't many more hands that went up. This was one of the most, or this is still one of the most circulated, translated and read uh, Christian books. And uh, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, first published this in 1952. And there have been several other editions. And um, if you're speaking to people about Christ, if you want to read it yourself, I would highly recommend that. So Billy Graham starts this book by describing this great quest. He describes this void in one's life. This emptiness, this loneliness, despite abundance out there. Mankind's need and quest to fill this void, to find peace, to find peace with God. Many have tried to fill this void and emptiness with a whole lot of things. One of the things that we do in our society is education and career. We study. We get to one particular level. We work hard and we get to the next level. We think that would give us this happiness. We think that would fill this void. But that doesn't happen. Nothing wrong with education and career. But if that's your sole goal, if that's the way you think you're going to fill this void, there's a problem. Some of us look to wealth. And a lot of them do extremely well. Houses, cars, a nice fat share portfolio. Nothing wrong with money, but if that's going to fill that void, not going to happen. Then there are lots of us who go out for relationships. We think people, other humans will fill this void. We look for family. We look at friends, parties. We just don't want to be lonely. And that doesn't fill it either. And in our modern society, you know, there's so much of this out there. Sex. Everything seems to revolve around that. And numerous ways of gratifying. 
again, there's this big, big hole left in one's life. Substance abuse. We see it all the time, don't we? Excess alcohol. Drugs. Tell me, how many people have we seen who are glamorous, we think, who are successful, who are famous? They appear to have everything on the surface, don't they? They look beautiful. They wear well. They have friends in high places. Lots and lots of money. But yet so lonely, so empty, and so desperate. In their time of need, they fill this void with whatever they could get their hands on. Unfortunately, on many occasions, alcohol or drugs. And many of them end up early meeting their time. And for those who are middle-aged in this group, how many of the pop icons and others that you've grown up with are not here anymore? The Bible tells us that only God can fill this void. Only God can give peace. There are some who say that there's no God. They bury their heads in the sand and say, I'm an atheist, no God. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, they're willing to take that line. I feel many of those who say that they are atheists have never really thought about it. But they are willing to just follow. God willing, one day, I would love to talk about why atheism is the biggest hoax of our modern society. How can two molecules, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, under pressure, under heat, just come together, form bonds, and come up with an amino acid randomly? How can these amino acids just link up and form a protein? How can these proteins form an organelle, the subcellular structure, and cover themselves with cell membranes and call themselves cells? And how can they all come together and form an organism? The mathematical probability of this is massive, unimaginable you're much more likely to win the first prize of lotto every week for the rest of your life if you were to believe this story. By the way, how did these molecules come in the first place from nothing? So how do you find peace? How do you find peace with God? Friends, this book tells us all about what we need to know, isn't it? And if you were to cherry pick through this book, you land on one of my favorite books, the book of Romans. And you really can't go past that. In that Paul 
very carefully dissects this subject and presents to the reader how indeed you can find that peace. In the first four chapters, Paul clearly explains the condition of mankind. And it describes the only way to salvation and finding this peace permanently. He, in Romans 3.23 he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, however good you may be, however charitable you may be, however high in society you may be, you have sinned. No one needs to teach a child how to sin, right? But they do. That's part of human nature. In the eyes of a holy God, this is abominable. And in Romans 6.23 he says, For the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God, is death. But the gift from God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. How is this possible? In Romans 4 and verse 25 he says, He, referring to Christ, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Christ died for our sins and he rose on the third day for our justification. Sin has been defeated. Death has been defeated. It is by believing in this message and accepting this message by faith that we have peace with God. There's no other way. Romans 5 and chapter 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this word justified means made right. You're standing in front of a judge, accused and found guilty. You're there for sentencing. The judge looks at your file, however thick or thin it may be. But the file is closed. It's been marked closed, sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The judge looks at you and says, someone else has paid your penalty. Someone else has paid your debt to society. You have been made right by someone else. You have been justified. Accept that. You are free. You're free indeed. That is what justify means. The Bible says justified by faith. 
So what is faith? Faith is confidence in God's truth. You're confident in what God is telling you through his word. So justified by faith means that I, that you, surrender to the truth and agree with God that He is holy. That you surrender to the truth and agree with God that I, you, are not holy. That I am a sinner and have fallen short of the glory of God. Justified by faith means that I surrender to the truth and agree with God that Jesus died for my sins while I was yet a sinner and hopeless. And that Jesus rose again and defeated sin and death and thereby I can be justified. Believing on this and receiving this and receiving this as your testimony is the way that you can have peace with God. And that is what the Bible says. Because you have been made right by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So friends, this is the first and important thing you and I have as Christians. That void is filled. We have peace with God. It is right now, not in the future, not when we get to heaven, but right now. Peace with God is about reconciliation. Peace with God is about relationship established. Peace with God means that I'm no longer condemned. No longer with this void. No longer empty. But at peace with God. What a wonderful blessing. Amen? Where God looks at you and says, because you have trusted in my son and his work on the cross, you have peace with me. Remember one other thing. The Bible says it was God's idea to make peace. Not yours or mine endeavor. Not because we thoroughly deserved it. But whilst we were yet sinners, God reached out to us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God is the peacemaker. And friends, this is the fundamental difference between all the other religions out there and Christianity. In all the other religions, people are desperately trying to make peace with God. They are the initiators. Rituals. Sacrifices. Putting themselves through pain, fasting, various other things trying hard to make this peace. But here, 
the Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed on our behalf and was risen on the third day for our justification and that is how you have peace with God. God is reaching out to us. There's this wonderful verse in the Bible. I mean, I keep saying wonderful verse, don't I? Um, Revelations 3 and chap- uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Lovely imagery. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. This is the metaphorical heart's door. And there's the Lord Jesus Christ knocking at your heart's door. There's the Lord Jesus Christ wanting to make peace with you. What's your response? Open the door and invite the Lord Jesus Christ in. It's completely different to how you and I function. We say he has done wrong. Let him come to me and apologize. He has done wrong. He should go first. But God, however, in pure mercy, he says he has sinned. I will reach out to him. He has turned his back on me. I will reach out to him. Peace with God. God's free gift to mankind. Look at verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The second thing that a Christian has right now is access to God's grace by faith. John spoke about God's grace earlier today at communion. And someone termed grace an acronym and said, it's great riches at Christ's expense. And it's true, isn't it? We become rich by what Christ has done for us. This is an open invitation, friends, for you and I to lean on Christ in all of life's circumstances, whether it be good, bad, or in the middle. This is an open invitation to be prayed and be heard by God Almighty. Just imagine when you bow your heads and pray, God, the Almighty God, the Creator God is listening to you. Wouldn't you be shaking in your boots if you were to take a call from perhaps Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull? Depends which side of politics you are in. But, or, or perhaps the Queen, Barack Obama. How much more? And you can do it any time. Night and day. At the most inconvenient of time. 2 a.m. When you suddenly wake up and think, okay, I have this need, I better pray. You pray and say, oh God, and he says yes. Not yes to 
sort of completely answering what you want. But he's listening and he's going to do the best for you. Isn't that great? Isn't that absolutely superb? Here we are able to approach God in our times of need. You approach him at times of failure. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him for restoration. Asking him for strength. Remember friends, Christian life is not all about victory. You don't go from one mountain top to the next. There are so many valley experiences here. I don't think there's one Christian who can say that they have never failed. However, this is not a license to sin. But we will fail. We will fall. And Paul writes about his own failures and his own weaknesses in chapter 7. Turn with me to chapter 7 and, and it's, it's really interesting reading. Thinking of how a great apostle like Paul struggled with failures. Verse 21. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And look what he calls himself. What a wretched man I am. Paul was not exempt. I can tell you for sure you and I won't be exempt. And you know that. But the Bible says, right now, as Christians, we have access to Him, to His grace, by faith. That blessed assurance that salvation is permanent, that the salvation is yours. So much so, after writing Romans 7, he was able to pen in Romans 8 and 1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He forgives. He restores. Peace with God is permanent. And finally look at verse 3 of chapter 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. The third thing that the Christian has is joy in the midst of suffering. It's never good to go through a tough time. It's never easy to go through a tough time. But suffering and tribulations are also part of Christian life. Bereavement illnesses, pain. And the Bible says, even through all these terrible things, a Christian can have joy in the midst of suffering. Why? Our future is secure in God's hands. Extending all the way 
into eternity in his presence. That confidence in the future. Future is secure and full of promise. So even through tough times, a Christian can look to his God and have that confidence and be prepared to lean on him and say it is not my will but your will. Because you have a purpose and plan for my life. So friends, this morning I want to leave you with this simple message that as a Christian, you're incredibly privileged because you have peace with God. You have this incredible access to His grace. And even through life's ups and downs and turmoils, you can be rested and you can have joy because He is never going to let you down. The important question that you and I will need to answer at this point is where do you stand? Can you say for sure this morning, yes, I have peace with God and I am standing in His grace. I have that blessed assurance of salvation. I know many of you can. If so, praise God. And as we bow our heads to pray, just thank Him. That thank Him that you are in this incredibly privileged position, situation. And recommit your lives to Him. And there may be others here who, is, who are still searching to fill this void. Friends, let me tell you, today is the day for salvation today not tomorrow don't postpone it but make the call today come to God and say God I've sinned like everyone else but I'm a sinner I've fallen short of your glory I accept that Jesus died for my sins I accept that he rose again on the third day for my justification. Please come into my life and make me whole. And I'll tell you, God will. And today will be the biggest day of your life. So we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads in prayer. And let's just spend a few moments quietly. For all those who are still searching, I would ask that you look to God this morning. You have nothing to lose but the eternity to gain. Look to God and say in your hearts that you are a sinner. Look to God and say in your hearts that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for your sins and that he rose again for your justification and as the Lord Jesus Christ knocks on your heart's door 
open your heart's door and invite him in. Come Lord Jesus, make me new. And for all the others, just, just thank God. Thank God for this immense privilege that you have in him on this Mother's Day. Peace with God found only on Jesus. May we never look anywhere else. May he alone be our vision. Let's sing together. Stand and sing. Be thou my vision as we close this morning.